Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly, and we are coming off that Ohio State loss. You can catch the recap and our reactions to it there, there, wherever. We're going to post it. Uh, it was bloodbath. It was, it was not good. We had some, a lot of negative talk. A lot of positive talk, a good therapy session, but now it's time to head around the trenches, aka around the Big Ten. Trenches on three, one, two, three. Trenches. Woo! Got regular gas. We run diesel premium only. To hut, hut. Voice cracked on the snap. Personal file. Sixty nine offense. He was giving them the business. He played it there. So kicking off week was it week eight? Week eight last week. Yeah. An all conference slate with six Big Ten matchups. We had Mike Loxley in the Maryland Terps and Ryan Walters in the Purdue Bolamecas on buys. And of course, Matt, we got to start with our favorite, the Battle of the Big Ten West. Swamp with some wild, wild west finishes. And we're gonna start. We're gonna start in lovely Kinnick Stadium, where we had our Iowa Hawkeyes. I I love I love starting here, baby. Golden Gophers in that low scoring classic Big Ten West affair. Minnesota hangs around and gets the 12 to 10 dub. After five punts, one fumble, and a game-ending interception to close the doors on the Hawkeyes. And By the, the way, you, you took that in, in the uh, betting bonanza, right? That under? I most certainly did. So I, I flipped that game on. They are like, oh, windy conditions out here. I lied, betted that under 50 bucks. <laughs> So fast, I'll show the take on the screen. <laughs> but I bet that's so freaking fast, it was unbelievable. Love that. <laughs> All right, uh, so anyway, regards to the game, Iowa with quarterback Deacon Hill, obviously, in Keith McNamara's absence, airs it out, trying to get some points on the board, goes 10 for 28, 116 yards. Hey. Interception, like we mentioned, to end the game. A fumble. Did have the lone touchdown in the game. A one-yard little QB sneak. He had, he had a nice start throwing the ball. For, I mean, for a series. He did. <laughs> was, Brian, was, Brian Ferentz is going for that. Uh, trying to go and having a merit out for his job. And didn't bode too well this week. As for the other QB in this matchup, for the Golden Gophers, Ethan... Kalik Manis mm-hmm. is just a brutal Big Ten quarterback. So in the first half, so we mentioned Penn State's uh, first or third down woes. Or the perfect Big Ten quarterback. Or the perfect. He belongs in the Big Ten West. Which our boy wouldn't look at it. <laughs> so previous episode we mentioned, obviously, Penn State's third down woes. In the first half, Golden Gophers 0 for 7 on third down. Kalik Manis in that first half, three for eight, eight yards, 65 total yards. So his job very well may be in jeopardy, or they may just ride it out 
because they ended up getting the dub anyway. And yards. That's got. I mean, that's got to be one of the lowest first half totals in Minnesota passing history. Gene <laughs> most certainly should be. Who's their? Who, who's their? Like Klinkman is. I'm sorry. Sucks. Stinks. Who's their backup? I believe it is, if I'm not mistaken, because I'd seen this previously, Cole Kramer, the six foot one senior who has had minimal game action. So if this is the product they're putting out in the field, I gotta imagine that Cole Kramer is nothing to write home about. And then they do they have a freshman, I believe. Which they're probably just, you know. Probably retroing. I don't believe they tag, have you don't wanna, one that's gotten any game action. With but, Kate, with Kate injured, you don't want to. Yeah, you want to yeah. keep that red shirt for him to hopefully bring some life to that. Yeah, a lifeless offense. That's <laughs> right. To that, game. to to wrap up this beautiful contest, it ended in controversial controversial fashion as Iowa punt returner Cooper DeGene had a punt return. He returned for a touchdown. Very called back. And the controversial piece here was the fair catch signal or lack of fair catch signal that Iowa nation is, is clamoring for. But the referees decided that he signaled for the fair catch. They call back the touchdown and Minnesota ends up hanging on to win this one 12 to 10. Like we mentioned, it's their first win at Kinnick Stadium since 1999. They are the 2023 victors of the wow. Fruit of Rosedale Trophy, which is one of those fabulous Big Ten West rivalry game trophies, which dates back to 1891, which the Gophers also won 42-4. to And the beauty of that stat there, Matt, is that even back in 1891, Iowa couldn't score points. <laughs> I haven't been able to score since 1891. That is so PJ Fleck, so pumped for him. First win against Iowa 0 and 7. So that you, Ma, baby, row the boat. First win at Kinnick since 99. Yeah. That's unreal. Wow. So we will continue with the Wild Wild West with. Wisconsin's crazy comeback with freshman Chad Locke to win 25-21 on the road against Illinois. So I tuned into the beginning of this game and the announcers said that the Wisconsin center had like a little loft on his snap in shotgun. And lo and behold, two plays later, uh, Chad Lock fumbles the ball in a shotgun snap early, and Jerzon Newton recovers it. We talked about Jerzon Newton in the uh, Illinois-Penn State preview, but he is an absolute beast, I think, a certified first-rounder. He was later ejected in the game for targeting in the fourth quarter which was a huge, huge loss for Illinois, stopping Braylon Allen down the stretch. 
the fighting Illini QB, Luke Altmeyer, he sort of picked apart. Wisconsin runs like a strictly man-to-man defense, and Illinois has some playmakers, some great route runners, and he picked apart their defense, took some shots, um, also took some shots running the ball and got sacked three times, but got right back up. And I think I said it last week that he was a dog, and I stick by that. I think Altmaier is an absolute dog. Certified. So, Badgers up 21-18 after a drop by Skylar Bell, who would have scored a touchdown, but then makes up for it with a 30-yard catch that led them to a lock touchdown run. And then Altmar gets sacked on third down. Their next possession, Wisconsin gets the ball back, goes up 25-21. And then Illinois' last chance on third and two, Altmar escapes the blitz, launches downfield to nobody. <laughs> and then got sacked on fourth down. So Wisconsin comes back and wins. And I don't have the standings in front of me, but I believe they are now the leaders of the Big Ten West. I'd have to verify. Let's verify. Hacking into the computer frame. Yes, Wisconsin. You are correct. Three and one in conference. Overall, they're five and two. So looks like Wisconsin. You never know. You never know. You never escape the swamp. You (laughs) never know the swamp wild wild west. Any (laughs) anything can happen, and we're gonna continue there with the game that was personal to me. For the Big Ten betting bonanza, I had a Grand Slam bet on Northwestern money line. They were plus 14, and I had that money line plus three-something. Northwestern has the worst offense in the world in college football, maybe in the past five years. It's (laughs) insane. So Nebraska's quarterback... Again, the tough name, Heinrich Harburg, threw two interceptions. And so Nebraska's first three drives began in, or sorry, Northwestern's first three drives began in Nebraska territory. They managed three points and zero yards on those three drives. Just literally the worst offense I've because I was I watched that entire game because I was like I I want this <laughs> worst offense ever. So Nebraska starts the game. Uh, Harburg throwing obviously through two picks, so they shift to running the ball smartly with their running back Emmett Johnson, twelve carry, seventy three yards. Harborough awesome. Harburg also got in the running game, 16 carries, 72 yards on a touchdown. And then no excuses, no excuses, but the Northwestern quarterback, Brennan Sullivan, hurt his thumb, 
was bleeding, had tape. I don't know if it was broken. Who knows? But he was two for six for 10 yards in the first half, which is the fewest by a Northwestern quarterback since 2019. But that's not all on him. Northwestern was one for six on third downs in the first half, and they totaled 96 yards. Despite all of that, and I'm kicking myself for not taking the plus 14, kicking myself, the Wildcats had opportunities to tie or even win the game in overtime. So it's 17-9, which ended up being the final score. After Northwestern hits the field goal, they force a punt. Third and three, Northwestern commits a face mask penalty, penalty, and then they get a sack. Forced another punt. Last chance. Sullivan gets sacked twice. <laughs> Part of Nebraska's eight total sacks. So they had two chances to get eight points and Tie it up, possibly win it in overtime, change my fate in the Big Ten betting bonanza. But of course, they let me down. I mean, I saw that coming from a mile away, ready to get my heart broken. It always ends that way. Let's get out of the swamp. Get out of the swamp. I'm I'm done with this. Back to greener pastures or. May or may not be greener (laughs) pastures for the Michigan Wolverines. So we had our first anniversary, a lot of great matchups in this rivalry, this cross-state rivalry, but first anniversary of the tunnel fight that took place last year. Isn't there a player that was still suspended from that fight? I have to go back and look. I know it was for at least the rest of last season. I'm not sure if that ended up bleeding into this season as well. But I know like, it could be. I know like people got misdemeanors and stuff for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. So, regards to the game, Wolverines absolutely absolutely thrashed Sparty 49 nothing. J.J. McCarthy, 21 of 27, 287 yards, four touchdowns, and held Michigan State to 182 total yards and under two yards per carry. The bigger storyline out of this one is the story that surfaced surrounding Jim Harbaugh in this program in regards to a cheating and sign-stealing scandal. Ooh, bad boys. Ooh, that surfaced over the weekend. There was a new <laughs> there was an ESPN article that dropped by Pete Thamel, Mark Schleybach that outlined kind of what's going on here. And the crux of it is that a Michigan staffer by the name of Connor Stallions over the course of the last three seasons has purchased tickets in his own name for more than 30 games at 11 different big 10 schools. So now there's paper trail, evidence of this as they indicate that he was using his own credit card and doing so much so that he was even forwarding these tickets to other folks in different areas of the country which sheds light of kind of the covert operation that was going on here whoa and there is video evidence that has already started to be leaked 
that is expected to be turned into the NCAA, who's also conducting their own investigation by the end of this week. And Matt, I'll tell you, I've seen, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos that have surfaced on Twitter, but they are pretty damn convicting. They There's a video out a there of yeah. the Ohio State game from last year where they show Stallions hip to hip with the Ohio State, or sorry, with the defensive coordinator of Michigan calling out and the entire team ends up calling out what the play is that's about to be run here. This is Spygate. This is Spygate. This is Michigan Spygate. It is a Spygate. And they even indicated that for this week's Penn State-Ohio State matchup, who, as we mentioned, big matchups coming down the road for Michigan, tickets were purchased on both sides of the stadium across from each bench for Ohio State and Penn State, but they confirmed that no one ended up sit- sitting in those seats for the game, likely due to the uh, the dropping of this investigation. Yeah, you wonder why. You wonder why. And just to show you kind of the magnitude of this, so Michigan's record, and we know what Harbaugh's struggles, struggles were when he initially got to Michigan, but the his record and Michigan's record, the pre-sign stealing, allegedly starting, which was over the course of the last three seasons. So 2015 to 2020, Michigan was 49 and 22. From 2021 to 2023, the last three seasons, which would be the course of this sign stealing spygate, Michigan is 33 and 3. That vast difference. Spygate. Yes, they have a lot of great talent there. Spygate. Spygate is leading I just Michigan watched the uh... Cannot wait to see what comes of this. Who knows that it will be any implications on this season. That would be fantastic for the tiebreaker race. But there is a lot more to come here. And Jim Harbaugh, if he wasn't already, we know he's been flirting with those NFL waters. He could pull a Pete Carroll and say, Mimi, I'm out. Yeah, with with all those sanctions coming down. (laughs) But yeah, I watched the uh, dark side of football about Bill Belichick. And this Uh is... To the T, what he did with uh, Spygate. He had a guy go across the sideline for every game and steal their defensive signs. Mm-hmm. This is literally a Belichick blueprint play. Yeah. So all, all the sanctions in the world take some recruits away from them. I hope recruits are wise enough to look at this and be like, Michigan scumbags. Not going there. Going to Penn State instead. And we got one final game in our six-game slate. A team will be playing next week. Indiana Rutgers. Davey, you got this one. Yeah, so Indiana Rutgers. So we were both leaning heavy on those Hoosiers. Yes, we were. As we'll get into at the end of the app. But didn't come to fruition. And big-time play from Rutgers quarterback Gavin Wimsett who didn't do so much passing the ball, but more so carrying the tote in the rock this game. 16 carries, 143 yards, three touchdowns, including an 81-yard touchdown scamper. And this one stayed close through through one half of play. I believe it was 14-10, if I had that right, or it was a three-point game heading into halftime, and then Rutgers really pulled away in the second half. Uh, 276 total rushing yards for Rutgers in this one as they improved to six and two 
As for the Hoosiers, as we get into this matchup this week against our beloved Penn State Nittany Lions, quarterback Brendan Soresby gets the start after Tom Allen and staff elected to bench freshman transfer Taven Jackson, the transfer from Tennessee, who has had a rough go of this season with with a 37.4 QBR, which ranks 113th nationally. So it seems like Soresby will be the guy going forward. Time to uh, hit the pine for that guy. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But uh, as we like to say, it's a fluid situation there when you're two and five in the Hoosiers and don't have a much of a lick of offense. But yet again, neither do we. But we're looking to get back on track against a brutal team this week. And we Lord knows we need it. Have to. Have to. So with that, we will go into our Indiana at Penn State preview. Like we said, this is a get back game for Penn State. It's a noon kickoff on CBS. Spread is Penn State minus 32 on DraftKings. I think it's 31 and a half still on FanDuel. The over-under is 46 and a half on DraftKings. So the Hoosiers and head coach Tom Allen come to Beaver Stadium with a 2-4 and four record. And they're 0-4 in conference play this season. And while researching this game, I saw that their team captain, who plays that similar to Penn State, that prowler role, the hybrid safety linebacker, Noah Pierre, is out for an extended period of time after an injury with five minutes left in the first quarter. He was carted off the field. So I'm assuming that's a lower body injury, but, you know, don't want to make any assumptions on the severity of it. Wish nothing but the best for the Hoosier captain. However, it looks like he will be out this week. Dave, did you have anything else on that, or do you just want to go right into your impact player for Indiana and a possible mismatch? No, I think we could definitely get into that. But for Pierre, for a struggling team like Indiana, never want to take him lightly, but that's a tough pill to swallow there. A team yeah. that doesn't have a lot of depth across the board. So when you lose someone of that caliber, Captain too. You always got to have that next man up strategy. But when you're in a spot like you are, like the Hoosiers are, you don't really have a, a ton of depth there. So that's definitely something to look out for heading into not only this matchup, but as the season continues for them, as they continue to struggle in Big Ten play. As for this matchup, so for the Hoosiers, impact player for me on the offensive side of the ball is running back Jalen Lucas. Doesn't really have a ton of stats that are going to pop off the page at you. About 250 rushing yards on the year, three touchdowns. But he has shown that he's a threat out of the backfield. Got 29 receptions on the year, so he's an active part of that passing game. And this should be a matchup where that D-line, those DNs, I know we were mentioning where Chop may be out of this one, but you still got denied Dennis Sutton, uh, Disa Isaac, and a ton of depth there. So something to be mindful of to ensure that as they're trying to get after Soresby, 
you don't want to lose sight of Jalen Lucas sneaking out. Very dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Showing that he can be a, a viable part of that passing game. So not to say that he's a game breaker and someone that's gonna gonna take you the distance nine times out of ten, or someone that you know would have seen on the field last week against Ohio State, but definitely a player to watch on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Got a tackle wrap up on those swing passes, you know, when he gets the ball in the open field. Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely someone to look out for. Yeah, and then for my mismatch, so I'm going right back to the secondary. Tough. Had a, a solid solid week overall against Ohio State. Yes, Marvin Harrison was able to gash them. It's not many corners in the country, not many secondaries in the country that can completely contain him, a guy of that caliber. No one, no one can. But what I'm really looking for this week is a, is a big bounce back week. So I'm looking at Kalen King, Johnny Dixon. You could throw Daquan Hardy in there as well, who's had back-to-back huge weeks on different – sides of the ball special teams included but with wide receivers for for iu cam camper and donovan mccauley again they're the two standout studs don't have stats that pop off the page but i'm really looking for king and dixon to really have a big bounce back week here where they just completely shut them down king gets back to his ways of completely eliminating one half of the field and Dixon and Hardy really shutting down uh, the the other option. So I'm looking for them to really put a stranglehold on this passing attack, especially with a new quarterback, and allow that D-line to continue to feast and build off of tough loss last week, but they did end up with nine tackles for a loss against an Ohio State talented team. So would expect more of the same in this matchup against the Hoosiers. Yeah, I think with with that kind of loss and with this kind of team, I only expect them to just, you know, work even harder. Just put in more, put more of the grind to, like Franklin said, go from great to elite. Um, so my mismatch for Indiana is gonna be that new quarterback, Soresby. So Manny Diaz. Runs, as we all know, man-to-man defense sets up pressure from the front four. A-gap blitzes, exotic blitzes. A running quarterback is tough against him. That's like the one weakness that really uh, can break that defense. And Sorsby's not elite at running the football. He ran... 11 times for 49 yards and a touchdown last week. But if there's anything that's going to, you know, get them a third down or a clutch conversion, I think it's going to be Sorsby using his legs, getting outside of the pocket and running for the first down. I don't really see them being much of a threat in the passing game. Um, But if we can get to him, my mantra if you can rattle the quarterback, make him eat turf, he's going to start seeing ghosts, throwing balls to no one, as we saw from the court. God, that's so annoying. He, he was throwing the ball all over the place after we mm-hmm. messed him up. Uh, my mismatch is going to be kind of a, a team effort. So we've been preaching wide receiver two, wide receiver two, wide receiver two. I think this is the game where Keandre Lambert-Smith, Trey Wallace, 
and potentially Caden Saunders or Dante Cephas step up in a huge way against this secondary. So they're two starting quarterbacks, cornerbacks, since week four. Jamal Sharp has had 12 targets his way, allowed eight catches for 134 yards. That's 16.8 yards per reception. He's had one forced incompletion, one pass breakup, but allowing a 104.2 NFL pass rating against him. Their other cornerback on the outside. Uh, I think I'm going to spell this wrong. Co- uh, Coda. Coda Minor. 11 targets. Allowed 6 catches for 115 yards. That's 19.2 yards per catch. 2 forced incompletions. 2 pass breakups for him. But I think he is susceptible to the double move. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, we got their safety, Philip Dunham. Since we four team high, 20 targets, nine catches allowed for 163 yards. That's, again, 18.1 yards per catch. He's had two forcing completions, a pass breakup, interceptions, and two touchdowns allowed in the past four weeks. So I think... Keandre Lambert-Smith, Trey Wallace are going to go off this game, finally get the passing game going. If you noticed, two of those guys in the past since week four have given up almost 20 yards per catch. So this could be the game where we finally see the four verticals playbook, throw out the old, you know, run the ball, just throw it at downfield every single time. (laughs) <laughs> so my prediction for this game is going to be 41 to what's the spread? Uh, 32. 41-3 Penn State. Cover Kings. Yeah. Likewise, I think they get back to their Cover King ways. I don't think they mess around in this one. I think they're they're angry. They're hungry. They come back. The, the inclination is that they would have a slow start after a hangover loss to Ohio State, but I think they're at home. Crowd gets behind them. I think they win this one 49-7. 49-7. All right. Which would That's be seven. a – no, that would cover. Sorry. I was thinking 32. That was 42. So last week – let me see if I can find it. Big 10, Betty Bonanza. So last week we both went one and two, getting one point, both riding that Hoosier train, hoping that they would pull off some kind of miracle. I need a big, big shot this week as we head into week nine of the greatest betting competition on planet earth the big 10 betting bonanza note 
these games and spreads were picked on Tuesday of this week. It is week nine, as we said, right? Yep. Week, week nine. nine of the Big Ten betting bonanza. And Dave and I shared a similar awful week going one and two apiece, getting one bonanza point. I'll go over my week eight bets, Wisconsin. That last touchdown covered for me. Wisco minus two and a half. Both fell into the Indiana trap. Indiana first half money line was plus 176. And I think they had a chance to actually push that for me. And they didn't. So Indiana dead to me, especially this week. And then I, again, I kicking myself in the rear for not taking the plus 14. I was down a bunch of points. I went Northwestern Wildcats money line against Nebraska. They did cover, but did not get the money line cover. So one and two, one point. That brings me to a 10 and 14 record with 10 Bonanza points heading into week nine. So I got some work ahead of me to finish above 500. But more importantly, Chase, Dave, and his unreal, we say that all the time, but unreal Bonanza points. Dave, again, wanted to one point. Took the pick we all wanted. Penn State money line against Ohio State. Did not hit. Like I said, both on Indiana. He had the Indiana full game money line. That did not hit. And then, as we mentioned, in a windy game, Iowa-Minnesota, we he got it in the Big Ten Bonanza, but we both won our bets under 31 and a half. In that game, I think I got at 30 and a half. I was like, easy money. <laughs> so Dave, now at 13 and 11 with 17 Bonanza points. So I'm still down seven points. Two, two plus threes, you know, would re- bring me back in there, but we're looking for a couple doubles, a couple singles, maybe a home run. Mm. That Northwestern game taught me a lot. So, <laughs> uh, check ball, winner takes it. Davey, first pick. All right. For me, I'm so interesting enough. Both our wins last week came from the swamp. So, I'm it. digging my hand back this. into the swamp. We might be the swamp experts. I I don't think anyone knows the Big Ten West better than us. (laughs) No shot. So I'm diving right back into the Minnesota Golden Gophers against Sparty. Mm -hmm. And I am all over that under 39 and a half. I think it's going to be another sloppy matchup. I think Minnesota caught whatever sickness you get from traveling to Kinnick Stadium, they're going to bring it with them to East Lansing. And this this is going to be an ugly, classic Big Ten West affair. Give me the under. I love it. I'm going to stick here. 
<laughs> so Michigan State, despite their drama, eight and one straight up since two thousand eight, and the home team is two and five against the spread. So give me Michigan State money line two twenty five. So they're plus seven. That's a plus seven. So that's a that would be a plus seven. That would be. Give me it. Spartan up, baby. MSU money line plus two two five. No singles and doubles. That's swinging for the fences. That yeah, I was off <laughs> put for you. <laughs> throw it this way, throw it that way. <laughs> All right, pick number two. Sticking, I got a little East versus West matchup here. Again, sticking with the theme of getting back to my total ways. So we got an 11 a.m. TV totals. 11 a.m. local time kick in Evanston. We got the Terps at the Wildcats. Over under on this game, 48 and a half. I love that 11 a.m. It's almost November, so but end of October, sleepy kickoff time. I think Maryland wins this one easily, but I don't know that they run up the scoreboard in this one because of that early kickoff. Give me the under 48 and a half. Weird. Sticking with this game as well. Mm. A thing you might have forgotten. Maryland's coming off a bye week. Oh, and I think you might have forgotten that I mentioned Northwestern has the worst offense in college football. Maryland's minus 13 and a half. Give me that all day for a single. Right bet. For my third and final pick. So I did remember that this team's coming off a bye. I got the Purdue Boilermakers heading to Lincoln. I think the Matt Rule era's going to continue off to that rocky start. I like what Ryan Walters has done so far with Purdue. I'm going to take the money line. I think Purdue is plus two and a half in this one, but I'm going to take the Boilermakers straight up in this one. Give me that money line. Do you know what the number is? I had it at plus 112. So, yeah, we're sticking with the same game, too. (laughs) I'm going to go... Same game. It's, I believe, Nebraska's homecoming. Oh, Purdue also coming off a bye, mm-hmm. which could leave them a little sleepy mm-hmm. to begin the first half. Homecoming, Nebraska's going to be pumped up. Nebraska is minus 0.5 first half. I'm going with another single with that. All right. Nebraska first half, basically money on minus 0.5. If that Sparty bet hits, this is a whole new contest. Otherwise, that trophy's heading down to Texas. (laughs) Once again, thank you all for listening to us talk 
Penn State football, following on whatever social media platform you follow us on, supporting us. We absolutely love it. And as always, we're going to continue doing this till the wheels fall off. Let's go beat Indiana. One and no mentality. And then let's focus up on Michigan. Thanks, guys.